Hello, and welcome to a special bonus episode of Cleo slash Marais. So this fiction is allowing us to go from Pride and Prejudice to Succession, and I kind of feel like based on our discussion last week, actually earlier today, <laughs> <laughs> actually literally five minutes ago, but that's fine, uh, that there are, uh, th- there are actually some connections in that Darcy can kind of overlap a little bit with kind of the horrible billionaires on Succession. Yeah, and I think also in addition to both Succession and Pride and Prejudice having the potential to just really be about insufferable rich people, which is kind of very much the plot of Succession. I think also there's the connection with the actor. So Matthew McFadden played um, Mr. Darcy in the sort of like most recent, the 2005 um, Pride and Prejudice opposite Keira Knightley. He did a great job, you know, brooding in the rain and everything. And he also plays Tom Wamsgans on Succession and is very great in that role, even though it's quite a a different role. Um, yeah, so I think that maybe they're kind of like using the fact that the actor is the same as sort of part of the the fun of this crossover fic. Let's maybe, let's assume that you've listened to the past episodes about Pride and Prejudice, so we won't say who like... Mr. Darcy is, uh, but I mean, also if you don't know who Mr. Darcy is, I feel like I don't know. Shame our listeners. Um, do you know everything? <laughs> Would you like to sort of briefly introduce the characters of Greg and Tom? So Succession, just super, super briefly, I'm sure we'll do sort of a longer intro to Succession in our actual Succession episodes, but it's a show about the sort of really rich family that runs a giant media conglomerate. Um, and so Tom Wamsgans is sort of low on the totem pole of sort of the, he's in the inner circle, but on the very outside of the inner circle in that he is sort of married into the family. He's married to Shiv, um, who's sort of the daughter of the sort of head of the family. Um, and then Greg is a sort of distant-ish cousin of the family. And so he also is in this sort of similar position of being on the outskirts of the inner circle of this sort of giant power struggle. And so in some ways, they're both characters who maybe are in the position of being more used as pawns by other people, though we do see over the course of the show them kind of like gaining power. Um, but they have a kind of vaguely antagonistic, vaguely also flirtatious relationship on the show in that they are often allies in the power struggles. Like you have sort of the the double act of Tom and Greg trying to work together in their various power struggles, but also Tom very much bullies Greg, which probably comes from, especially in the beginning, but really throughout, um, which perhaps comes from a place of him being sort of, Greg is kind of the only person who's not lower than him on the totem pole in terms of the people who are in the inner circle. So he kind of, I think, gets a lot of his energy out of how badly people are treating him on Greg, who also in the workplace is his assistant. Yeah, there's really this sort of horrible bullying relationship between them where like Tom has to be nice to everyone else. Yeah, and you see Tom being in fact like incredibly subservient to other people on the show um, and then kind of turning around and bullying Greg. And for some reason, this has been translated into like a romantic (laughs) attraction. Well, we can talk about that in more detail in a few weeks. I think there's a lot, there could be a lot there. Um, But yeah, I think it's also interesting. They have different connections to the family because Greg does have this sort of like more real blood connection. He does stand to inherit money in a real way, in a way that Tom doesn't. Um, And I do think both Tom and Greg are deceptively wily on the show. I think a lot of the other characters on the show are very obviously jerks and obviously in it for themselves, willing to sort of throw anyone under the bus. And Tom and Greg, I think, sort of seem nicer, but they're 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 wily. (laughs) 
So what happens in Darcy the Greg and the Great Fog? <laughs> okay, yeah. So this is a this is another example of crackfic. Um, so you know, I think we've been doing crackfic a lot for our, our bonus episodes, and so we have a uh, Tom, or I guess well, he's not really Tom. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not explaining this well. We have Tom slash Darcy. <laughs> Yeah, it is interesting which ones they choose to keep their names because it's Greg, but it's Darcy. Anyway, so Darcy is at a ball at Netherfield and he's sort of convinced to go to by his friend, Mr. Bingley. Um, and he kind of sees from across the room Greg. And he's met Greg before because Greg was like wandering around in his lands, like covered in mud. And they had this very strange and awkward interaction. Um, I think the strength of the story is the writing of Greg because I think Greg has a very specific manner of speaking on succession which is quite uh, comical in his awkwardness. Um, and so that sort of captured very well. Uh, he sort of, when he's being af- confronted about why he's on his land, he says like, yes, I, there was a, a mud incident. He says it was, a, it was a mud of a slippery nature, a ruckus with a bog, <laughs> which is how no one would explain that situation. Um, anyway, so he sees him across the room and is like, "Ugh, this guy again. Um, and then he kind of, Greg kind of comes up to him and they have this sort of little interaction, um, which ends with him sort of asking, like, do you have affection for many people? And Darcy being like, fine, like, what do you recommend to like encourage affection? And Greg's like dancing and he kind of like watches him dance. Um, And then after he dances very awkwardly, because Greg does everything awkwardly, they kind of have like a closing interaction with him being kind of like, oh, so do you have any affection for other human beings now? And he's like, a little, perhaps. And then Greg's like, but you you aren't going to dance. And then Darcy's like, don't push your luck, Greg. Yeah, I thought this was really funny. <laughs> and I, I really liked the way that it transposed a lot of the elements from the first meeting between Elizabeth and Darcy into like this weird, ridiculous <laughs> situation with Tom and Greg. Yeah, and I think also in terms of its relationship with succession, like you have Greg speaking sort of in this sort of strange disjointed manner, which I'm not sure I acted out very well, but Greg speaking in this very sort of strange disjointed manner, which is very reminiscent of his role of succession, um, his sort of great awkwardness, and also the way in which you could really imagine cousin Greg from succession getting into an incident with mud. Yeah, I mean, the way that both of them talk feels very similar to how they talk on on the show, because I also think um, I also think the way that Darcy here uh, mm. talks, I mean, like the leading question of like, are you a woodland pixie um, or something <laughs> yes. that Greg takes very seriously and says, I don't think so. <laughs> Which is a classic Tom and Greg interaction yeah. that like Tom is sort of like bullying him and Greg is like, I don't, I don't know, maybe it like sort of being vaguely earnest. Yeah, I mean, that feels very, uh, that feels right in terms of like both of those characters' voices. I also think, I mean, I liked that at the end, I mean, the whole thing, which, you know, I harped on for ages um, two weeks ago or a month ago, um, which is that Darcy refuses to dance. And that also happens here. Like Darcy doesn't dance. And instead of Elizabeth having to sit at the sidelines and not dance, like Greg just sort of dances weirdly, like alone. Which is also maybe more true to Greg as a character than it is to Elizabeth Bennet. <laughs> so I think this is a really fun sort of um, transposition of that. And I think the, the description of Greg's dance, uh, I thought was really interesting. Why don't, why don't you read that aloud for, the, for okay. the audience? The orchestra began playing a sprightly waltz. This one's quite good, Greg said tentatively and shuffled onto the dance floor. He began with a gangly flourish of his long arms and twirled them about in such a way that he seemed to be mimicking the conductor. 
Greg spun quite contentedly into the crowd of other dancers. He certainly was in time with the music, but still looked very much like an octopus attempting to walk on land for the first time. Lots of wobbling limbs everywhere, and not much grip. Darcy couldn't help but laugh from his corner, especially at the pirouette, which Greg ended with a little bow and hesitant smile towards Darcy. By the end of the song, he was guffawing, and Greg loped back over with a big grin. Yeah, no, and I think also that there's like such physicality to that description that I feel like if you've watched Succession and seen the way that actor moves when he's playing Cousin Greg, that very, that's, that feels sort of very familiar. I'm not sure if we, I can't think of a time when we see Cousin Greg dance, but in his general interactions with everyone, he is incredibly tall and incredibly awkward, um, which as we've discussed before, both of us might find relatable. Yeah. And one thing that comes across here, which also comes across in succession and might be part of the reason people want to pair them together, is that although Darcy slash Tom starts off really kind of cold and bullying, he like Greg does elicit some kind of like real emotion from him by the yeah, end. Yeah, because I think that's also really true on succession that Tom sort of begrudgingly finds Greg incredibly endearing in a way that in the beginning, I think his sort of interest in Greg is that finally I have a minion after being everyone else's minion. Like finally I have someone who has to sort of, that I can sort of control. Um, but he also then seems to develop over the course of the show more of a sort of a genuine affection to Greg. It seems honestly find him Greg quite likable um especially when you know other members of the roy family he's not finding very likable like he sort of both him and greg despite all of the backstabbing that happens between all of the characters including both tom and greg there seems to be some aspect of genuine affection maybe not affection but like they they don't want bad things to happen to each other (laughs) yeah and part of it is that tom probably recognizes something of himself in greg in that they're in very similar positions yeah that they're sort of marginal on sort of the outskirts of this family dynasty and are a little sort of more insecure in their position i think also there's something kind of interesting going on with um with sort of like class dynamics with tom and greg in that tom is very kind of like self-consciously like this is the way you dress these are the restaurants that you eat at these are all of these sort of like wealthy things but like he doesn't really come from the same background as his wife um shiv who comes from this like fabulously rich background and he certainly doesn't come from like a poor background i think his mother is a lawyer um but there is this sort of way in which it seems like he's having to sort of perform being on the level of the Roy family. And then you have cousin Greg coming in, who is sort of a genuine branch of the family and is sort of a direct descendant of like Logan Roy's brother um, and does sort of stand to inherit maybe um, lots of money if he successfully sues Greenpeace, but that's a whole other plot line. Um, But so he's sort of like genuinely a member of the family, but also like doesn't really know kind of how to be rich and is sort of awkward and there's sort of these scenes of tom kind of like taking him to nice restaurants and being like this is how this is how you should be acting now cousin greg um that greg has this sort of claim to the roy family but also isn't really performing it in a way that tom performs it well and he doesn't need to because he has that claim by blood whereas yeah. Tom like needs to like show that he deserves to be among those yeah people. yeah exactly and i feel like i sort of got that a little bit or i think that's sort of an interesting way to parallel it with um darcy and elizabeth because that's while that's very not their dynamic you do have sort of darcy being on the sort of level of like having all of this wealth and also like sort of acting in a very specific way in reaction to it in the same way that Tom sort of acts in a specific way. Although in a way, Greg is more like Mr. Collins or something than he's like Elizabeth Bennett. <laughs> oh no, that's a terrible. <laughs> well, I mean, both of them are do give excellent comic relief in their various storylines. I mean, that was my main takeaway of like rereading Pride and Prejudice for the podcast was like, Mr. Collins is hilarious. 
unintentionally. And Greg is also unintentionally hilarious in that Greg is not ever meaning to make people laugh around him. But to the audience member, Greg is like one of the funniest characters by far. In a way, like the weird, like incredibly wealthy world of succession feels closer to like late 18th, early 19th century society. I mean, as I think you were suggesting. Yeah, I think also especially the way in which sort of the rest of the world sort of disappears um, since like in the world of succession, obviously there are, you know, sometimes they have to like interact with people outside the family and things, but for the most part, you're kind of stuck just in their world. Um, and I think that's true for Pride and Prejudice as well. You are sort of stuck in a very specific world, even though obviously they're surrounded by at various points in times, people who are, you know, like servants or people who are like other people in society, but we don't really sort of see them and they don't really impact the story. In Pride and Prejudice, Mrs. Bennett at one point says like the number of families they interact with and it's a pretty no- low number of families. Like those are the families that they can like go and hang out with. Um, I mean, obviously there are more people around, but like those are the people who sort of count as society. And so I think that there's also that kind of like, there's a, you know, a very enclosed world, no matter how many people are just out there, like working the land or whatever. Yeah, that those people in like a material way very much impact the story and that they're like supporting the lifestyle of all of these wealthy people, but they are sort of absent from the narrative in the same way that on succession, you're very focused on the lives of the hyper wealthy and not really anyone else. (laughs) And also everyone is worried about money and being like, who's going to inherit what? Yes, No, that's another really good parallel that like you, you almost sort of feel like, oh, well, all of these people are super rich. Why should it matter? But it matters so much to the characters and they feel like the stakes are so high in the same way that on succession, all of these people are sort of fine or like more than more than fine financially. And yet they're always incredibly concerned about like fighting for control of this company for both ego reasons, but also for sort of financial reasons. So I, it's, it's surprisingly, I think it's a good, it's a good fit. Although, I mean, I think that this is definitely meant to be comedic more than anything. Yeah. yeah and it is, you know, crack fic. It is like quite short. Um, and I do think that like there, now that I think about it, I think there is a reason why Darcy has the name Darcy and Greg has the name Greg. And that I don't think Greg is sort of a Lizzie Bennett stand in, in the same way that Darcy is kind of a Tom Darcy fusion. Yeah, no, I mean, as I said, I, I think he's more of a, if anything, Mr. Collins person who's like coming in from the outside to inherit yeah that's true. That, that, that is sort of and also the then him sort of having the realization of like oh your cousin greg it's sort of hard to pinpoint what greg is in this story i think because i don't think i mean as you say i don't think you can map him on to like he's the daughter of a respectable family who needs to marry well um but i mean part of that i mean that's part of the point of this is that darcy is like who is this like what is this yeah yeah is it a woodland pixie or is it a human yeah and i think there's something like something almost like cuckoo-esque about greg in that like he sort of appears in the middle of the woods and he sort of appears at this ball and on succession he does just sort of appear at the beginning of the show at logan's birthday party and is like oh i'm a semi-distant cousin can i have a job please (laughs) Yeah, and here, I mean, this is the description of um, his entrance into the ballroom. Uh, Darcy noticed a strange man-child enter the room. It was indeed the same overgrown man-child, Greg, who had trespassed onto his woodland, covered in mud and limbs, slipping about like a discombobulated moose, who then attempted to run away when Darcy threatened to call his hunting dogs on him. Um, and he calls him later the a gangly mud creature. And so there's almost a sense of like, what, you know, what is this thing? Are we... Are we definitely, not- I think the true joy of the story are those descriptions, like the ones you've just read. <laughs> yeah, no, it's very entertainingly written. 
Um, and it almost puts us in this realm of fantasy, like where we were with the changelings, but not quite, because obviously this is just the way Darcy is thinking, but he, this is actually a person, probably. <laughs> probably, who knows? <laughs> but someone that who's so who's hard to categorize and who's kind of challenging his, his categories that he puts people into. Which is definitely sort of the role that Cousin Greg plays as well. He's sort of coming from the outside, has not sort of grown up the same way that other Roys have grown up, but does have this sort of familial connection. And also so I don't know, I kind of felt like one of the sort of my changing perception of Greg over the course of watching Succession is realizing the way in which he is very similar to the other Roy's. You just maybe don't realize it at first because he's so awkward and endearing. Yes. And he uses awkwardness as a weapon. Like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, as we've talked about the privilege of awkwardness. Yeah. No, that's true. Or he, or he, well, he either already was like them or he decides. Yeah. Or yeah. Or he's sort of like in this environment becomes a little more sly, but like Greg's really, Greg's out there making moves. Good old cousin Greg. He's my favorite succession character by far. (laughs) I do think it's an interesting sort of like personality test not who your favorite character is but like which character you think you're most similar to on succession oh wait which character do you think you're most similar to i think i'm most similar to cousin greg because i'm really (laughs) awkward and like kind of a people pleaser oh no awkward self-conscious people pleaser is that not (laughs) maybe that's who i'm like afraid of being but i do think that I, i always related to cousin greg on that front i think i really what's his name the the oldest guy who's kind of a mess and who murders someone accidentally yeah actually you know i could see that yeah i I mean i i do suspect that you secretly killed someone and someone is using that as blackmail for you um always suspected that about you but no i could see you as a because kendall's like rather intense and you're really really intense sometimes wow that's rude Cleo said, glaring intensely (laughs) so i don't think the listeners appreciate the very intense kendall ward look you just gave me Join us next week for our Subverses Valentine's Day extravaganza, where we're reading only genfic, and it's going to be great. And for those of you who don't know what genfic is, it's fan fiction without the good parts. <laughs> um, you just wait until we read three amazing genfic, and you'll realize that not everything is about sex and love, Cleo. Um, well, we'll see. To be determined, is everything about sex and love? I mean, that will be the question. That is what all of us wonder on Valentine's Day. Yeah, write in if you want to give your opinion about that, and we will be settling this question once and for all. We will. Next time. 